You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. It's great to see all of you here at City Church this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. My name is Eric Bonkowski, and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. Uh, You know, there's a way to read through the Bible uh, that sees the whole story of the Bible through meals. It starts with uh, an apple in the Garden of Eden, and it ends with this uh, great marriage feast the Supper of the Lamb in Revelation. And the reason I point that out is that I think we also can read our lives that way, that the story of our lives in many ways is the story of the meals that we eat. Now, many of those meals, most of those meals are very mundane, the regular uh, weekly meals that we have, alone or with family, on the run, or seated at a table. Uh, but then punctuated here or there with meals that are special. And there are a a lot of sort of evidences or proofs of the ways that meals mark our lives. I mean, certainly Instagram, right? How many shots of people's meals do you have to scroll through to get to the good content? Uh, No offense. Or uh, last week I talked about how the, the week before that my wife and I were in Vegas and people asked us how it was and one of the first questions they asked was, well, where did you eat? Because Vegas is this place that's known for its food. All these examples of um, how meals mark our lives together. It's true for us as a church, too. One of the things that I've noticed over the last several years is that uh, our budget for food has gone up. Because as a church, we value gathering together around meals for Sunday formation, for harvest party, for welcome back Sunday. All these different moments where our life together is marked by meals. Our lives, the story of our lives is told through meals. Again, most of these meals are ordinary, but then there are a few of those meals that it's like, you know, time to put on your stretchy pants meals, right? Uh, And and Sarah and I were reminiscing about one meal like that recently, probably 20 years ago. Sarah and I and a couple of our friends got together and we watched through The Godfather, the first Godfather movie, and we made this huge Italian feast. And even though it was 20 years ago, we still remember that meal, right? The story of our lives is the story of the meals that we eat. I was thinking about this theme during the week because of the passage I'm going to read. I'm going to read from Luke 9, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And what I realized this week is that often, for me at least, that story just gets categorized as a miracle of Jesus. And I forget that it's a meal. It's actually a meal. And so this point is true in Jesus' life, that the story of Jesus' life often is marked by the meals that he has, including this one from Luke chapter 9. So if you have a Bible today, open up to Luke 9. I'm going to read verses 10 through 17. Now these verses are also printed in the worship guide, and you're welcome to follow along there as well. But wherever you're reading from, make sure you listen to these words as God's word. It's his word that he's given to us because he loves us. Here's what it says. 
On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them all, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Father, we thank you that through Christ, your Son, you welcome us, and that you have sent Christ to proclaim the kingdom of God to us and to heal us. We pray that through your word today, we would uh, hear of the kingdom of God, and that the broken places in our lives would begin to be mended make us attentive, make us open, make make us ready to encounter Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and the Lord of our lives. We pray this through his name. Amen. I think it's important for us to read this passage in Luke 9 in the context of what I talked about last week. And, and here's this problem with a lot of the miracles of Jesus is that we're so accustomed to just reading them on their own, just these eight verses, and we don't place them in their larger context within the gospel or within the overall story of the Bible. And so what I'm hoping you see today is that this particular miracle is contextualized in a larger themed story from God. And so last week, I introduced this theme that Jesus was sending out his 12 disciples, the moment where they switched from just being disciples who followed and learned from Jesus to being apostles, where they were sent out on mission for Jesus. And I said that the core mission that Jesus sent them out with was to proclaim and to heal, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people, and that that same mission is true for us as well. And what I want you to see today is that Luke 9 verses 10 through 17 is a a focusing of that ministry, a focusing of that commissioning. Here, Jesus is showing us how we are to heal. And one of the key ways that Jesus heals and that he calls his people to heal is by feeding people through welcoming meals. The connection between these two passages is very clear. It's right there in verse 10. It says this, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. 
They told him all that they had done. This is uh, a few days or a few weeks later after they had been sent out and the disciples are coming back and Jesus is receiving them and they begin to report on what they proclaimed and how they healed. It's, uh, it's kind of like a celebration. You can imagine, it's kind of like a, you know, a sales manager who sends all his sales force out and then they're coming back with the stories of their success. Jesus takes them away from the crowds. He takes them into the countryside. It's as though he's, uh, you know, you know a, a trip for the top sales producers among the disciples. Come away with me. And, and, and there's got to be excitement, uh, celebration. They probably feel privileged to be back with Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher. There's only one problem. The crowds catch wind of it. And what was supposed to be this private retreat for Jesus and his disciples, now they're surrounded by these crowds of people because wherever Jesus was, they wanted to be too. And then what I want you to notice is that Jesus does for the crowds exactly what he had sent his apostles to do for others. Look again at verse 11. It says this, The crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them, and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. He proclaimed the kingdom and he healed. It's the core of Jesus' ministry. That's why he sends us to do it. You see, the, the way the gospel works is it's not just something that we are to do, it's something that we receive from God. And this is true still today. Just as Jesus saw the crowds in that wilderness, and his heart was moved towards them, and he proclaimed the truth of God, and he cured them of all that was broken. So Jesus wants to do for you today. He wants you to hear the good news of the gospel, that sins can be forgiven, that life can overcome death, that, that ashes can be made beautiful. He wants you to be healed. If you've never heard that before today, I want you to know that that is God's posture through Jesus Christ to you. And if you have heard that before, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to understand that Jesus is sending you out to proclaim and to heal. And he's sending you out specifically to do that through a welcoming meal. Because attached to Jesus, proclaiming the kingdom and curing people of what, uh, what they need to be healed of, at the center of it is this meal. 5,000 people that Jesus feeds. You see, what Jesus is offering us here in Luke 9 is a focusing of the human vocation because the story of our lives are the story of our meals. And if we are to heal that one of the main ways that we will offer that healing to others is by feeding them through welcoming meals. There's a, a pastor and a writer named Greg Thompson, lives in Charlottesville. Some of you um, probably know him or know of him. And uh, he uh, recently, for, for a magazine I like a lot called Comment Magazine, he's been writing uh, this column that is focused on kind of great meals of history and how they communicate the gospel. And I both love this, uh, this series of, of articles and I hate it. I hate it because I wish it had been my idea. But I love it because I think he captures something that's true to who we are as humans. That meals have this shaping quality in our lives. I put a quote from one of these articles at the top of the worship guide. I just want to read the last line. 
Greg Thompson says that the ultimate work of our lives is to make our way home to one another and to celebrate that homecoming with a feast. Right? He's, he's uh, emphasizing this same point, that our lives are marked by the meals that we have, welcoming meals, homecoming feasts. So I want to explore and develop this point a little bit more through the passage with um, in sort of three acts or three parts, and I want to illustrate each one of those parts with a different meal. The, the, the first act, and, and all of these acts have to do with sending, have to do with God or Jesus sending. The first act I want you to see is in verse 12. This one actually comes from the apostles. And the apostles survey the scene, they know they're in the wilderness, they see these crowds, they know it's getting late in the day, and they say, in verse 12, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and to get provisions. And then they go on in verse 13, and they're kind of taking an inventory, and they say, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. And the reason I want you to see this is because I think where the apostles find themselves is where you and I often find ourselves in life. They look around and they say, this is a desolate place. We're in the wilderness. We're not, we're not at home. I think we often feel that way. We look around at our surroundings. We look around at our resources and we say, this is a desolate place. And then notice too that the apostles come into this situation with a scarcity mindset. They look around and say, we don't have enough to provide. And, and, and so a charitable reading of the apostles here is that they're, they're, they're reading it rightly, right? It's a reasonable suggestion that they have to Jesus. Let's send the people away so they can go get a meal and so they can find a place to stay for the night. And I think as we look at the resources of our lives and the needs of the people around us, we often come to a similar conclusion. Say, I don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes to help people who need helping. But there's one big thing that the apostles miss. They are so focused on what they don't have that they miss who they do have. They have Jesus. They have the Son of God. They have the Lord of heaven and earth in their presence. And we do the same thing. Because we're doing an inventory of the things that we don't have, the resources that we lack. And we don't think about who we do have. Jesus. The one who provides all we need. And so I think we have to ask the question, are we trusting, are we looking to Jesus, are we asking him to provide physically and spiritually, both for ourselves and for others? When we look out on the crowds, on the masses of people in our lives, in our city, do we believe that Jesus welcomes them and will heal them through a welcoming meal. I, I think what this is, what the, one of the things that this passage is doing is it's correcting some of our faulty assumptions around meals, around the meals that punctuate our lives, around the meals that mark our lives. We come into it with one frame of reference, and Jesus wants to open that up. He wants, it, he wants to expand it. He wants us to think about it differently. So the illustration here, I think, is uh, kind of dinner parties or having other people over for dinner. 
And the way that we often approach that, I think, is different from the way that gospel meals are supposed to work. You see, I think dinner parties are often exclusive, they're often private, and they're often uh, premised around being reciprocal, right? Well, I'll have a few people over, but I'm going to curate that list, and I'm going to choose people who down the line will invite me back over for a meal. But Jesus' meals... The table is open. The banquet is spread. I want you to, I want all of us to kind of conduct an audit on the meals that we have. Maybe, maybe here's a takeaway for this week. Think about your meals. Audit the meals that you have this week. And where in those meals are you effectively saying what the disciples say in this passage? Send the crowds away. Maybe reasonably so, right? We don't have enough resources. The place is desolate. We can't provide. But where are we saying, send the crowds away? I know that that's the cry of my heart a lot of times. That I want to curate who is around my table. That I don't set an extra place, leave an open chair for the person that God might want me to invite to that meal. The second sending, the second uh, act of sending in this passage is in verse 13. Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And here Jesus, I think, is just reaffirming this core human vocation that I've talked about. That, that part of what the Bible is saying all the way through, part of what Jesus' ministry is all about, is inviting us to go and heal people through welcoming meals. He's sending us out to do that. Jesus, in the wilderness, says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. He knows he's the one with the power. He's the one who can provide. And yet, he still is commissioning his disciples to do what they are meant to do. We, as men and women, are sent to heal. And there are different dimensions to this. First of all, it's it's physically. We are sent to, to heal physically those within our spheres of influence who are in need, who are hungry, who are thirsty. And then beyond that, spiritually and metaphorically, we are are sent to heal in all the ways that a good meal, the best meals, heal us. Not just put food in our bellies, but connect us to other people. Help us recover who God has made us to be. So I want you to hear very clearly today That God, through me, by the Holy Spirit, is saying to you, you give them something to eat. He is sending you, City Church, He is sending us into the world to offer food to those who need it. Again, I think this is true physically, and this is true spiritually. Physically, it means that we, we need to feed those who are hungry in our city. And the meal I want to illustrate this with is to go back a little bit in the history of City Church. When City Church first started, once a month, every month, a group of people from the church would go down to the Conrad Center, which is across from the city jail, and we would make a meal for the homeless and hungry within the city of Richmond. 
You know, the, the very first um, logo for the church is this. Some of you can't see that because you don't sit in the front row, guys. But it has uh, loaves and fish on it. The original name of this church was Franklin Street Community. And I was thinking about that this week, that built into our DNA, our institutional history, is this commitment to feeding the hungry. And every now and then I think about uh, how diminished we are that we don't have that monthly rhythm anymore. Because we are sent to feed the hungry. Where are we doing that? It's a question for all of us, and and maybe today, one of you, uh, maybe the Spirit is working in your heart and saying, we need to do something about that. If that's true, come and talk to me. I don't have the answer. I don't know what it looks like, but I want to help lead this church to be faithful to Jesus' commissioning. We're sent to heal through these welcoming meals. And you know, the, the best meals, when we were down at the Conrad Center, we would make these meals. They were relatively simple meals. But I always thought that the, the best part was when we would sit down with the, the folks who were coming through that line and we would share a meal with them. And maybe it would even be better if uh, we, we invited them to come into the kitchen and work side by side to make that meal. That we can, we're sent to feed, but we're sent to honor and dignify those that we feed. So we do it for the physically hungry, but we're also sent into the world to heal the spiritually hungry. We're sent to feed souls as well as stomachs through our welcoming meals. And, and, and I hope you see that. I hope you felt that if you've been around City Church for any length of time, that we believe in uh, the relational connection that is formed over meals. When we uh, share lunch together, when we have dinner together, when we have a cup of coffee, when we go out together for ice cream, that creates a moment in time where we're not just putting fuel into our bodies, but we are tending to each other's souls. What does that look like in your life? Are you committed to that? Do you see those meals, the meals of your life, the meals of your week as an opportunity to heal the spiritually sick in your family, in your city group, at your workplace, in your neighborhood. All right, so that's the second act of sending in this passage. The first is where the apostles say, send the crowd away. The second is where Jesus sends the apostles back to the very crowd that they want to dismiss. And then the third is kind of an amplification or an intensification of what I just said. It comes in verse 14. And it's where Jesus again says to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. And here Jesus is, uh, is explaining how they are to be sent to heal through these welcoming meals. And what Jesus goes on to do as the disciples obey and have them sit down, then in verse 16, we see that he takes the five loaves and the two fish, he blesses them, and then he breaks them, and he distributes them, and he uses the disciples to do that. You see, Jesus, the way he works, the way that he heals, the way that he includes us in these meals is that he takes what we have, humble, and insufficient though it may seem. And he blesses it in a way that it feeds the hungry. Isn't that true with our lives? He takes what you have, 
humble and insufficient though it may seem, and he uses it to bless others. Do you believe that about Jesus? And notice too that he breaks the bread. There's a lot going on here, right? Uh, but he, he, he's showing us that ultimately the way that spiritually the world is going to be fed, the world is going to be healed, is through his broken body. Broken on the cross. Even this meal, this miracle, is a pointer to the greater work of the cross. And, and through all of this, as Jesus gives specific instruction to the disciples, have them sit down. He's really clear that this is God's work. The disciples play a part in it, but the power is God. It is God's work. Just as it was God's work in the Old Testament when he fed the people of Israel with manna in the wilderness, another desolate place. Just as it was God's work through the prophet Elijah, in 2 Kings, with a miracle that has all these resonances to what Jesus does in Luke 9. It's God's work. Ultimately, the food that people need is not just food for their bellies, but they need the food of the supper. They need the food of Jesus' broken body, His shed blood. That is what satisfies and feeds. So to illustrate this final point of this recapitulation, this intensifying of Jesus sending his disciples, I want you to think about one other meal. And it's a meal that has become um, a tradition within City Church. Many of you know about it. We do an annual harvest party. This year will be our 11th harvest party. It's always in late October and uh, it is meant to be exactly what I've talked about today. It's, it's meant to be this example, this embodiment of how God sends us out. Jesus commissions us to heal others through a welcoming meal. We get to be hosts in that meal. We get to play a part. And so if you've, if you've never uh, thought of the harvest party as a meal that you participate in, I want you to change that this year. I want you to be a host. I want you to hear Jesus, not me, not the people who are planning the party, but Jesus himself sending you to play a part in a welcoming meal. I want you to think now, beginning now in July, who can I invite on October 22nd? Not because it's going to be the greatest harvest party ever. Not because it's even the greatest event that will happen in Richmond that weekend. But because it will be a welcoming meal where the grace of God is on offer for people to be healed. You see, we have these opportunities within the church, in our corporate life together. But I think too often we think that it's just a program that the church runs or the staff will take care of. No, God is commissioning you. He is sending you to do this work. And if it's not the harvest party, if it's not loaves and fishes, then tell me what it is. What's the meal this week that you'll have in your household or that you'll have at your workplace, that you'll have with a roommate that extends the welcome of Christ? 
in a desolate wilderness. Notice the final verse of this passage. We'll end here. It says this, they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. There's a connection here, of course, in verse 17, all the way back to verse 1, where Jesus uh, sends out the 12 disciples. Why were there 12 baskets? Well, because there were 12 disciples, 12 apostles. He wanted all of them to get their hands dirty and to, to be carrying this basket overflowing with leftovers because when Christ feeds, there are leftovers. This is a picture of the abundance of the kingdom of God. That with Christ there is always enough, will never run out. The disciples started this scene and they looked around and said, it's a desolate desolate place, send them away, we don't have enough. And then they end and it's a picture of them stumbling with their arms full of food. And so it is in the kingdom of God. As we are sent to give away what Christ has blessed and what Christ has broken, there is enough. And I want you to think for a minute about the best wedding you've ever been to and the party that it was. I've been to a couple of great weddings this summer and they were celebrations and they just kept bringing food out. And those wedding receptions are just a pale imitation of the eschatological banquet that God has prepared for you and for me, for all who believe, that we're invited to. It's where the Bible ends. It's it's the story of Revelation. It's how the story of the Bible is really the story of meals and where is it headed? It's headed to the best feast you can imagine. Where they all ate and were satisfied. And friends, You and I in our lives, individually and together as a church, we get a chance to offer a foretaste, a preview of that satisfaction through our welcoming meals. So let's get on with the work, knowing that Christ has sent us and that Christ welcomes us even today to proclaim the kingdom, and to heal us everywhere we need healing. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we bless you and praise you today for the richness of your word, for the ways that all these parts of the Bible from beginning to end tell the same story, the story of how you welcome us and bless us and satisfy us through your Son, Jesus Christ. May we receive that satisfaction and then may we go and live lives that honor him in all that we do. We pray this for the good of our city and for the glory of your name. Amen.